Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Joey Salinas comes with a life-changing message entitled, A Tank That Never Goes Empty. Make sure to share this with your friends and your followers, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. You know, my wife and I, we have made the decision a long time ago that we are just going to be quick to obedience. That we don't want to play church, we don't want to fool around, we don't want to skirt around things, we don't want to look the part and not be the part. We made the decision a long time ago that we are going to be full, so full that when we go into places, we're not ministering from a place of lack, but we're ministering from a place of overflow. So I pray that the very thing that we chose to walk in, that today, if you don't already walk in it, that you will come into a conclusion that you can walk with a tank that's full. We're going to open up scriptures. Our first scripture today is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, and it says this. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, everyone say joy, joy, that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love this picture because the writer in Hebrews is, is talking about that Jesus, because he knew he hadn't accomplished, he had, a, he had a thing that he was assigned to do, he had to do it. His, his, his main objective for Jesus being born wasn't just to heal the sick, to free the bound, to raise the dead. Really, the main objective of Jesus' ministry was to go to the cross. And not just go to the cross, but to die what a sinner's death would be, but he did it sinless. And then to rise again. But he didn't do that in a God form. He did that in a human form. So I think that the beautiful thing in this picture is that Jesus didn't go to the cross because he was determined to. He didn't go to the cross because he willed himself to do it. It says in the scripture that he went to the cross because of the joy set before him. The word joy set before him places a picture of something that he has to go towards. There is, there is a picture in his mind, there's a picture in his heart that, that, that is so great that no matter what he's going to endure, what he's going after is greater than the consequences of what he's going through. And you can, you can see it because Jesus, and I want to just be honest with you, and, and I hope that, that you don't get offended by this next comment, but Jesus wasn't happy to go to the cross. I, I don't know anybody that, that was happy to get spat on, punched, whipped, crowned, right, ridiculed, drugged through the dirt, hung on a cross, pretty much naked. I don't know any of us that would say, I'm happy to do it. He was made for it. Can you imagine Jesus kneeling in the Garden of Gethsemane before he gets taken, and he's kneeling, and in that moment... All of humanity's sin weighed upon him. And I need you to capture this picture for a moment because me and my own sin is heavy enough. Come on, don't act like you haven't been there. Where you sat in the mirror looking at the decisions and the consequences that you've made for yourself. And it's weighty enough. But can you imagine not just the weight of your sin, but the weight of humanity on your shoulders? So he's sitting at a garden in a moment saying, God, in my flesh, this is too much to bear. 
I know that I have to go to the cross. I know that I have to die. I know that I have to be hung on a tree because it says in the Old Testament that cursed is a man who hangs on a tree. So I know that I have to fulfill the prophecy, but God in my flesh, I have to get to my knees and I'm going to ask you to take this from me. And if you don't, let your will be done. And he doesn't just do it one time because how many of us are faced with our own sin and realize we didn't make one decision to change. Normally, we had to make multiple decisions to change. And so Jesus, sitting in everything that he had, had the shame into the point of blood. You know the amount of pressure it takes to have blood pores come through your eyes? For you to bleed blood? It's the equivalency of a 150-pound man carrying a 10,000-pound weight. Your pores have to increase 30 times its size to allow blood to pass through your pores. So the amount of pressure was not just internally, it was, it was externally on him. For the weight of the sin, he went to his knees. But God. And it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He got from his knees to his feet, not because he had enough strength to. He got from his knees to his seat because you were a joy. I don't think you get it. As a parent, I have two kids. My son's right here, 17-year-old, and I have a daughter at home. She's 19. I'll do anything for my kids. I'll carry some of the stuff that they couldn't carry. I'll endure affliction on their behalf. I will take their place. Come on, every parent in the house, raise your hand if you would do that for your kid. Now, the question is, would you do it for somebody else's kid? We all have somebody that we know that their kid is like, now that's a bad kid. <laughs> Jesus called you a joy even though we were on the naughty list before the naughty list was ex- existed. But he still called you a joy. So the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And the tank that's full that I'm going to represent to you today, that I'm going to to hopefully offer to you today to to consider, is the the, the tank of joy that runs over. And I know joy, you know, every, every, every lady in the house said, oh, joy, that's beautiful. And every guy in the house said, joy, why couldn't the preacher speak about power, the dunamis power of God, the resurrecting power of Jesus? But I want to tell you that joy has released more people from prison than the dunamis power of God. Than all the angels in heaven could come down and set people free. Joy has set more people free than we can imagine. And the joy that he's talking about here is not just a joy to be happy. It's this Greek word that's beautiful. It means to thrive or to be well in your soul. So what he's saying is that the joy set before me to endure the cross was not just to be happy. The joy set before him to endure the cross means that I am well enough in my soul to make a decision and step step on the other side of of other people's sin because, because I'm thriving in my spirit. This means that you have to be in a state of understanding that everything's just gonna work out. I've, I've hit a place of joy in some of the hardest trials of my life where there was no reason for me to put a smile on my face. There was no reason for me to shout for joy. There was no reason for me to continue to do the things that make 
make me happy or make my family happy. But, but when I had the realization and the understanding that no matter what I'm experiencing, I am still well in my soul, that I'm still thriving in the king's eyes, that is the joy that we tap into when your circumstances don't change. But this is impossible without abiding in God. Because I want to tell you, we're going to talk about three different types of joy. But the first joy that we have to come to realization is the joy that already lives inside of you. The moment you said yes to Jesus, there was an atmosphere of joy in you. You just haven't realized it yet. So I'm going to help paint the picture of not just what the scripture says, but what other things start to show you that, that, that you can abide in him. And when you abide in him, you know that you have a joy. You know that you can thrive. You know that you're going to be okay because of the person who you serve. When we abide in Christ, we're saying, Jesus, I trust you enough to stay next to you. Come on. Some of us have people in our family that we didn't trust enough to want to stay in their atmosphere. But to be full of joy means that I trust you enough that I'm going to stay next to you. I trust you enough that I'm going to be with you. I trust you enough that I'm going to do what you say because what you say you always do. I'm going to read this in John chapter 15, verse, uh, verse 7 through 9. It says that if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. As the father loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Everybody say abide. This is a beautiful picture because what Jesus is talking about is that he's saying that if you learn to abide in me, if you abide by my words, if you abide by who I am, if you stay in, in, that, in that close proximity of me, what you're going to find is a treasure of being able to thrive even if your circumstances aren't. So Jesus is saying abide. That word abide is a beautiful word. It doesn't just mean to be in the neighborhood. It actually means to be in his presence how many of you guys have ever been in attendance in school? You're like, all right, is John here? Jessica here? They're like, here. Jacob here? Here. Susan here? Here. You can be in attendance but not be present. You can come into a church service and check it off your list because it was a religious thing to do. It was my good service, right? To show up dressed up nice and to get into the pews. I was in attendance, but the question of abiding is not being in attendance. It's the question of abiding is being in his presence. Being in his presence is this Greek word that means that you are in so close proximity of God that where he stops going, you continue. It means to be in proximity. It means to be abiding. That word abiding means to be bumping next to God. Now, we may not be able to see God. We may not even have a moment of being able to feel God. But to say, God, I abide in your words. I abide in who you are. I am somehow drawing in proximity of God. And I am bumping into his presence. Even when you don't feel it, even when you don't know what to do, God is seeing, feeling, experiencing, and filling you with joy. I want to give you an example. 
receiving God is saying, God, I know I need you. Abiding in God is saying, God, I acknowledge you in all of your ways. So I'm going to come down here. I got to. Okay. Amy, can you help me for a second, my son? Everybody give my son a hand clap. He's very godly in nature. He's a... An awesome young man. Just stay right there. You know, we, he's going to represent Jesus just for the moment because I want to draw the line of the difference between believing and abiding. If he is the representation of Jesus, to me, I can see him and say, I believe you. I need you. But I'm not going to be vulnerable enough to get next to you. I can sit in the pew every Sunday and I can worship the God and I can raise on high and I can be here and say, God, I need you. But I won't touch you. But abiding is getting up from your seat. Abiding is saying more than just the prayer that's habitual to you. Abiding is stepping in proximity with God. To say, God, wherever you go, I'll go. Go ahead, start walking. I'm going to go to the places you called me to. I'm going to experience the things you want me to. And there's no detachment between you and me. This is living like Christ. It's because we are abiding in Christ. So God didn't call you. To be a believer, he called you to be an abider. Yeah. Thank you. So, how can I stand up with boldness and tell you that, that abiding refills your joy? It's because when you're in the, around the person of Jesus, you can't help to adopt his attributes. That same friend that I told you that was from Mississippi and would talk to us about the things you deal with in the Bible Belt that you don't necessarily in other parts of the, of the U.S. She stayed with us for like a month. We ate dinners with her. We woke up in the morning. We had a lot of the same behaviors, her and I. She, she was a morning person that would come and seek the Lord and read her Bible early before everybody else did, drinking a cup of coffee. A cup of coffee doesn't bring you into the presence, just so you know. <laughs> Tea can do the same. Water can do the same. Whatever your treat is. Simone. But this is what happened after a month of seeing her, crossing paths with her, eating with her, being in proximity with her, I started to adopt her accent somehow. <laughs> she wake up and say, how y'all doing? I'm from Phoenix, born and raised. And all of a sudden I was like, how y'all doing? <laughs> Why? Because we start to adopt. Come on. I don't know if you caught this yet. You start to adopt the things around the people that you hang around. You start to adopt the mannerisms. You start to adopt the language. You start to sound like them. You start to have behaviors like them. You start to do things that you normally wouldn't do because when you're in proximity, you can't avoid adopting their behaviors. One of the Holy Spirit's roles in your life is to help you to make room. You know, I love this because... The other thing that he talks about with abiding, abiding doesn't just come with joy. It also comes with a companion of peace. Romans 15 and 13 says this. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. He says, may the God of hope fill you. Everyone say, fill me. Fill me. With not just joy, but what else? Peace. For what reason? At the end of the day, the reason is that you would be able to not just look like God, not just sound like God, but you would be able to adopt the personalities of God. Yeah. 
If joy means to be well, then peace is the way you experience it. We're going to park here just for a second. Joy can happen even when you're not happy. Joy can happen even if your marriage isn't thriving, you can still have joy. Even if you're unemployed, you can still have joy because joy is believing that God has the best intentions for you. You're believing that the corner is right around the edge. You're believing that there's a light at the end of the dark tunnel you're in. Joy can still be experienced. But here it is. Peace is not when your circumstances change. Peace does not mean conflict has ended. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of God. So why can you abide in God and stay in close proximity with God and start to adopt his behaviors? Because you'll know that you are happy in your soul. Even if you're not experiencing happy circumstances on the outside. And even when you're doing that, you experience it through the person of peace. Because peace is the presence of God. There's this uh, beautiful term called redemptive suffering. A lot of people won't preach about it. A lot of people won't talk about it, but it's actually Jesus' journey from getting whipped at the pole to being crowned with the thorns and walking to his own death on the cross where he was drugging the dirt, where he was carrying a cross that's anywhere between 90 and 110 pounds, depending on what kind of wood they used. Redemptive suffering is what he did in the middle of what he went through. Redemptive suffering means to be in the midst of suffering but still redeem somebody else. I would argue to say that it is actually the ministry of a Christian to be in redemptive suffering. Because then even when you don't have, you can still give. Why can somebody be in the middle of a cancer treatment and still say, I'm praying for you? Because they understand, although I'm experiencing the afflictions of the flesh, although I'm suffering here, I can redeem something from heaven. Just because I'm going through something doesn't mean the drawing from heaven doesn't come through me. You are still a vessel, regardless of what the doctor says is on your vessel. You still have the ability to move the hand of God, to come into agreement, even if you're going through the worst circumstances. Because the God that we serve... He operated in redemptive suffering on the way to the cross, and he's commissioned you to be able to, not that you should suffer, but if and when you suffer, you can still be redemptive. But I want to tell you, you cannot operate in redemptive suffering if you don't realize you have joy. Because joy will allow me to put my pain on a shelf for a moment to serve the king. Come on. Redemptive suffering will allow me to put the divorce I went through on the shelf. Well, I still believe you have the best intentions for my life. God intends for you to move like him, with him, and in him regardless of what you go through. And I don't know if there's any hope that you could draw today. I just want to tell you that you are going to move not how you look. You are going to make it through this life, and you are going to not smell like smoke even though you're in the midst of the fire. Because that's the kind of God we serve, that we can serve and do these things regardless of what we're experiencing. Romans 14 and 17 says this. It says, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we talked about Joy being thriving in your soul, to be well in your soul regardless. 
We talked about peace not being the absence of conflict, but the presence of God. Now he introduces righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is simply this, his right in us. I want to give you a new definition today. You could write it down on a tablet. Righteousness of Christ is his right in us. That means that even if we're not operating in the fullness of what God called us to, we can still be right in him. It says that we are hidden in Christ Jesus. It means that we're hidden and clothed by his righteousness. It means you could be 100% wrong in everything you've done in life, but the moment you said yes to Jesus, you're in his righteousness. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking and looking good. Don't get me wrong. He don't mind that you do. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So let me take the picture. We're going to rewind a little bit. When I abide in God, I'm not just in attendance. I'm in his presence. I don't just believe in him. I acknowledge him in all my ways. And when I get close enough to him, I don't start to just, just all of a sudden, uh, you know, I'm, I'm made perfect and well and my circumstances change. But when I'm in him, he makes wellness a part of who I am. And he gives us joy. And we realize we have joy. We realize we have peace. But then the greater thing and almost the beautiful thing is that in the midst of it all, he now makes you right when you've been wrong. Peace is something that you experience. Joy is something you have, and righteousness is your birthright. Peace is something you have. Joy is something inside you, and righteousness is something of your birthright. There is more to the kingdom of God than external benefits, but it's also an internal culture. We're going to park there just for a second because this is important. I've operated on the spiritual gifts. I believe in all of them. I pray all of them every day. I say, God, I want to operate in all the gifts of the Spirit. I want to be able to, to operate in prophecy. I want to be able to heal the sick. I mean, we did this, on, on, I mean, in the street. We were walking through Atlanta just last night. People are encountering, and there's a desperate need for God's love. Amen. And I believe in them, and I believe that those are the benefit, benefit package of heaven. The spiritual gifts are the benefits package of heaven. You guys ever been to a new job, and they sit you down, and they say, this is your pay, this is your benefits package, this is your 401k, and they list the things that you qualify because now you're an employee. When you say yes to God, what happens a lot of time is now he sits before you and says, this is your benefits package, all the gifts of the Spirit. Now, we have to act on the fruit of the Spirit, but the gifts of the Spirit come without repentance. I'm not telling you to be bad, but I'm saying he's given you this package regardless of what you've gone through. Now, now I'm talking about all that really to set the precedence is at the end of the day, his goal isn't that you operate in the gifts. His goal isn't that you just have an inheritance. At the end of the day, his goal is that you have an internal culture of the kingdom of God. That inside you look like Jesus more than you do on the outside. The internal culture is that joy, that peace, that righteousness that he calls you to. That is having a tank that never goes empty. We all know with the gas prices, when they went up really high, all of a sudden we started to analyze our driving, our going. What are you talking about? Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and spend the $5 for the bus pass for you. I know it's going to take you about an hour and a half to get home, but you know, we're on this economic savings plan. And, because why? Because you were fearful that your tank would go empty. 
because you had to step into doing that next thing to pay the price of the gas. But the good thing about an internal culture of God and his kingdom is that joy never runs empty. Peace never runs empty. His righteousness never expires. And so that's why you have a joy tank, a tank inside of you that never goes empty. It's because the things of God, the culture of God, the kingdom of God that rests on the inside of you never goes empty. You never have to pay the price for it because he did. All he asked for you to do is abide. Don't just consider him. I got it wrong for a long time. I said, I'm going to consider you, God, in everything I do. God said, I don't need your consideration. He rebuked me, gave me a spanking and everything. He said, I don't want you to consider me. I want you to acknowledge me in all of your ways. That considering me means I'm on the list. I might be plan B, plan C, plan D. For some of us, plan Z. That's considering him. He don't want to be considered. He wants to be plan A all the time. He wants to be the first thing in your closet you put on. He wants to be the first thing that you meditate on in the morning before your plans of your worries, before how you're going to pay your next bill, before you worry about your kid coming back home. He wants to be the first thing. He wants to be acknowledged in all of your ways. He wants us to look to him as not just a answer, but the answer. Here's the other thing about an internal culture is that when you have an internal thing, it has the power to re-energize the external thing. I remember a moment and I, I felt, and I don't mind being transparent about it, my wife and I got married really young. Um, you heard high school sweethearts. I've actually been married for 19 years. It'll be 20 years coming up soon. Thank God. She, she had a real husband for about five of them. So she endured. She had redemptive suffering for a long period of time. She really adopted long suffering for the Lord when she took me on as a husband. But I remember a moment in our life because we served the Lord, but we didn't always live for God. Come on, we all know the difference. And, and we were ready to end our relationship, our marriage. Things just weren't going good, and we were both okay with leaving. You know, it's not normally like this. Like one person might say, I think I want to leave, and the other person's like, no, don't leave, you know, willing to do everything, and you know what I'm saying? Come on, we know. But we were at the point where we both didn't want to be in it. And we were sitting in a mediator's office. That's like a friendly way of divorce. Divorce is not from God, but that was the friendliest way of divorce. And we're sitting at a table across from each other, and there was no emotion. And I remember in that moment, driving home in separate cars, and I said, God, because I had no emotion, zero, and neither did she. And I sat in the car, and I said, God, if this is your will, change my heart. And I can only explain to you the way that it happened in the moment to me is that there is something on the inside of me, a culture that was already existing, that I've been kept down, I've kept pushed down, and I did not allow compassion and empathy to come out of me towards my wife. And all of a sudden, he birthed inside of me in a moment when I acknowledged him in all of his ways in that moment that he says, you're not done yet. And I want to tell you, sometimes you've got to act on the internal culture even when you're not feeling the external culture. 
There was moments in that time that I still felt, even though I felt and experienced God, that I did not act and feel on the outside all the love right back. But I responded to the internal culture of God inside. And I said, God, I'm believing your culture, your kingdom, and what you said to me. I'm going to believe your word even when I'm not experiencing what it feels like. And it took a couple of days, and it took a couple of weeks, and it took a couple of months. And then off soon of, uh, at some point, the internal culture started to turn external. Amen. When you abide in God, he turns the internal culture of joy, peace, and righteousness outward. And I just want to tell you, can you trust him enough to trust that internal culture even when you're not experiencing it externally? Because if you're in his neighborhood long enough, you're going to start to look like him. If you acknowledge him in all of your ways long enough, you're going to start to, you're going to, start to make decisions differently. And so God really wants you to know that he wants you to work. And now I'll give you an example of Job chapter 6 verse 10. It says, we all know what Job went through. About the craziest things in the world, you know what? Uh, he took his family, um, his wife shamed him, his friends eventually thought he was crazy and wanted to leave him. And to top it all off, he got some nasty bumps all over his body and face, and he didn't just look ugly by his experiences, he looked ugly in the natural. Come on, we're laughing, but we know dang well that oh, I can handle everything, I'm enduring to God. The moment we won't go, the bumps, he's like, The devil is a lie. Where's the, where's the doctor when I need him? But Job said this in Job chapter 6, verse 10. He says, then I would still have this consolation. My joy in unrelenting pain. I'm going to pause there. My joy in unrelenting pain. He says, I'm experiencing an internal culture of joy. Even though my pain hasn't stopped. Anybody in today's society that experienced half of what Job did would have cursed God and left. Because they were always fixated on the external culture, not the internal one. And you remember I started, I'm going to talk to you about three different types of joy. The first one that you have and you realize. The other one is the one that gets put on you. And the other one that we're going to get to and close with eventually is the one that you spill over into others. Joy. He realized he owned it. He said, my joy. Everyone say, my joy. joy. There's a joy in your belly right now that you have that you just haven't hit the reserve tank on yet. God doesn't have to have a magical moment. You don't need to be slayed in the spirit. And I don't have to prophesy words of eloquent speech over you to be able to realize that joy. It just is rested on the inside of you. And this is, the, this is the joy that Job is talking about, that my constellation, you know what a constellation prize is that? Even when I've lost, I still have this one thing. He's not talking about thriving and winning. He's talking about the thing I have left when everything's gone is I got my joy. Job didn't quit, so he won. We all know the end of the story. He didn't just get back what he got. He got double. But he got double because the internal culture that he embraced turned external. And so my question is, is that can you just take a moment to consider the joy you have? 
In the midst of what you're feeling, can you just say, I have a joy, I want that joy, I want to experience that joy, and I'm ready to tap into that joy, even if it's a consolation prize to you, that nothing else is going good for you, but I have a joy. My joy. And he says that I had not denied the words of the Holy One, basically saying that I didn't stop abiding in God. I believe this, it wasn't written, but I believe that Job woke up early because that's what he did. And he gave his first thoughts to God. He gave his first moments to God. Because I can tell you this, if you go through that life and you did not give your first to God, you don't have the reserves left. So he acknowledged God. That's why he understood he had joy. Job wasn't living in the happiness or goodness of God, but the joy inside spoke a better word. It spoke, hey, Job, knock it on your heart. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to thrive eventually. It's your well in your soul. First Thessalonians 1 and 6 says this, And you become followers of us, of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So now we're talking about not just the joy that's in you. Now we're talking about the joy you tap into. He's saying, having received the word in much affliction with joy in the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden, it's not just my joy. Now it's the joy that gets put on me by the Holy Spirit. So there is enough inside of us that we can press into God and we can go after the things of God, even if we're not feeling good, that we don't just realize we have a joy, but the Holy Spirit gives us another level of joy. I could tell you there have been times where I just didn't know what to pray, so I just spoke in tongues for an hour. And I just set until all of a sudden the joy of the Lord came on me. That it wasn't no longer my joy, now it was his joy. My joy got me to that moment, his joy takes me through that moment. We have to be able to tap in to the things of God. And sometimes I just want to challenge you, you gotta start speaking in the tongues. You gotta start speaking in the spirit. When your words can't take you, it says that his, his words get interpreted. Your tongues get interpreted. Your groans get interpreted. So sometimes when we can't tap into enough of our joy, we just got to until we start to get the joy of the Holy Spirit on us. So not just do you have your joy realizing that it's okay that God's going to be with you at some point, but what's the other points that we have to tap in by the Holy Spirit to get his joy. There is no infliction that you will ever go through that joy can't overcome. This is a sign to the world that you belong to him. Not that you won't have trouble, but that you'll have joy. There is something about somebody that's been through something and they can still smile and say, God's good. God in his nature is good. Not that I'm experiencing the goodness of God. There is something that happens. There is something you activate on the inside of you when you tap into the joy that he has for you and then you get the joy that the Holy Spirit deposits over you. The measure of your faith is not the gifts of the Spirit. It's not how you move in your life. Instead, it's the joy that shows up. He says that they'll know you're my disciples by how you love. And I'm going to tell you, you can't love if you ain't got joy. Because there is some people that are unlovable. <laughs> Come on. Don't, don't act like church. You know dang well there's some people that have been unlovable. They're hard to love in your family. 
You show up and you pray in tongues. You might even fast it before you went over for dinner. You're like, Lord, if she says one thing. Come on. You can't love without joy. Because joy means to be thriving in your soul. It means to be well in your soul. That means somebody else can't change your joy. So if they can't change your joy, then why should you change the way you love? I know I'm giving you something that you ain't responding to yet, but you're going to get there. Because what you leave with today is a full tank. Romans 12, 1 through 3 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you will present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. For I say, though the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of themselves more highly than they ought to, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one of you a measure of faith, Joy is heaven's response, not an earthly reaction. When he says to present yourself as a living sacrifice, that means to present yourself with the characters of God, even if the people around you aren't acting like it. That's why you don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, because you know that you ought to get something else, but he gave you something better. So when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and true, the perfect will of God manifests because the internal culture turns external. Come on. You're going to catch this. Isaiah 12 and 3 says this, Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Come on. It says, therefore, with joy. Everyone say, with joy. I will draw from the waters of the wells of salvation. Now, I want you to hear this. The devil will come at you with things that derail you, but joy draws from heaven and it lives inside you. John 15, 11. I'm giving you some scriptures now. If you're not writing them down, you better go back and visit the website and get them and copy them and put them up in your computer and put them up on your mirror or wherever else you need to be reminded that you have a joy on the inside of you. John 15, 11 says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Wait a minute. He said that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So now we're talking there's different levels of joy. So the joy you experience it right now is not the tapped out level of joy. That means that there's another level. There's a side tank. There's a reserve. There's an extra backpack of joy. So when we come with him and we walk in the internal culture of heaven, we don't just draw from his joy. We get more joy. In Acts 13 and 52, it says the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. A joy response is realized when you spend more time with Jesus. I want to tell you. The consequences of spending time with Jesus are two things. Number one, you're going to start to sound like him, look like him, feel some of the things he does. And number two, you're going to love people that are unlovable. It's almost like a guarantee. So you may say, not me, Jesus, not today. You might say, pay preacher, Satan, get thee behind me. But I want to tell you right now, those are the two promises of following Jesus is you're going to sound like him, look like him, and you're going to start to love like him. Your joy is full when your mind is reset and reconnected with Jesus. Philippians 2 and 2 says this, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Everyone say like-minded. Like-minded. Having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. The mind of Christ shows you that you are well and that it's also your job to make others well as well. I'm going to read these last two scriptures and I'm going to close. 
Philippians 1 and 25 is being confident of this. I know that I shall remain and continue with you all of your progress and faith and joy of faith. Colossians 1.11 says, strengthened with all might. Everyone say strengthened. According to his glorious power. For all patience and long-suffering with joy. When we get renewed in our mind, you don't just get filled with joy. You start to spill over joy. So when I know I have my joy, I tap into the Holy Spirit and I have his joy. All of a sudden, I'm running down the streets with a full tank. And how about you? Have you ever tried to walk around with the glasses all the way filled to the brim? And this is what we do. We're like, don't talk to me. Don't move. I can't move this cup. And then you can't help it because when you start to walk with a full cup, you start to spill it over. So I want to challenge you that God's not just challenging you to understand your joy. He's not just challenging you to be in the Holy Spirit to receive more joy. He's challenging you to walk over and when you bump into somebody, you can't help it but to spill some joy. You can't help it but to fill somebody up with joy. You can't help it but to be strengthened in joy. So when people get around you and you know you're operating in the culture of heaven, people start to feel the joy you bring. Your job is not to go into a place and to analyze it. Your job is to go into a place and fill it with joy. God's ready to do something. It might as well be through you. So don't just have your joy. Don't just receive the full tank of your joy. It's time now to spill over in joy. I said last scripture. I'm going to give you one more. Psalms 16, verse 11. It says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At the end of the day, when you are abiding in God, when you make the decision to not just be in attendance, but be in his presence, the culture that shut up in the inside of you will become the culture that pours out of you. And there's a promise that if you can be a joy, because you're full, pleasures are at your right hand forevermore. You're going to attract the king's response because you acted in the king's character. That's not in my notes and I'm not going to remember it, so you better write it down. (laughs) Somebody tweet it or send it back to me. But you got to catch that. When you operate in the internal culture of the king, you won't have help but to external or manifest the culture of the king outside of your life. This is the difference between being a Christian and showing up to church and being the church as a Christian. So we're going to call. I pray that you believe that you stood in something, but I want to close with an altar call. And I know you guys normally do three things, but I'm going to give you a fourth thing. If after today you realized that joy that, 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 that the preacher spoke about and that I have inside of me, and if Job can have it, then I can have it. 
if Paul had it, then I can have it. If Jesus preached about it, then I can have it. If that's the kind of experience that you're ready to walk into, if you're ready to have an internal culture in your life of the kingdom of heaven, and you're ready to give your life to the Lord, I want you just to raise your hand. Slip your hand in heaven right now. Slip it up. Just say, God, that's what I want. Thank you. Thank you. I'm ready to give my life to the Lord. I'm ready to tap into the joy that I have because I was the joy set before him. He endured the cross. And the second call is that if you know that I came up today and you know what? I showed up at church, but I didn't expect to be changed in my heart. And today I want to re-pursue God. I want to rededicate my life to God. I want to say, God, I'm not going to be in attendance anymore. I'm going to be in your presence. I want you to slip your hand up to heaven right now. That's me. Just raise your hand. Wave it at me just so I can see it. Amen, 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 amen. I'm ready to rededicate. And I want to give this third call is a call to membership. I personally know your pastors. I text Pastor Joel Gregory on a pretty regular basis. He prays for me. I pray for him. You guys have a good pastor. And he is a pastor that wants to be your pastor. If this is your fourth, fifth visit, and you still say I'm visiting, you're a member. So it's now time to just respond to membership. Come on. So if that's you, you're, I'm ready to call this my home church. I'm ready to follow this kind of a culture, this kind of a leader that impacts the city. Raise your hand. Thank you. And here's my last call. Is if you've been feeling empty on joy and you're ready to respond, I want you to stand up. I'm ready to experience that joy. Come on. It's okay. I haven't felt it in a while. I haven't experienced it in a while. I'm ready to, to dive in to that specific thing. Amen. I'm gonna, I want to do this really quick. I want to share with you. Just put your hands of receiving if that's you. Just put your hands like, like you're receiving a big present from God. Father God, you know exactly who they are right now. You know that they felt bankrupt on joy. Happiness might have left their life. Circumstances may have creeped in. They might be going through the hardest things in the world, and I don't even know it, but you do. Father, I pray that you help them to see the joy that was already inside of them. That they can say that my constellation can be this, that I will have my joy in you. And secondly, God, that you would fill them with your joy by the Holy Spirit. Right now, he's sending it to you. There's a manifestation that you're feeling on the inside of your stomach. That's his joy being put inside of your body right now. Joy. Healing waters of joy. Experiencing his joy. Thank you, God, for filling them up with joy. And lastly, God, thank you that they're going to not just go and know their joy. They're not just going to know and be filled with their joy, but they're going to be acts of joy. Let them be a joy. Let them go 180 degrees. Feeling on empty, but leaving full. I believe it, God, that your promise is faithful and that you're giving them everything that they need right now. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ 
is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text Get Connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week, and we look forward to connecting with you.